Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This morning is the second week uh, in our short series of these sermon reflections. They're not full-fledged messages. We've contracted the service a bit. And we borrowed the title of this series and the tagline. Uh, The title is Civil Righteousness. And the tagline we borrowed from another ministry because it's so good. It it identifies uh, a distinction uh, that the church and even the nation are facing right now during this time of upheaval with COVID and the, the rest of the social unrest. And the tagline is this, inequality demands a civil rights movement, but iniquity demands a civil righteousness movement. I thought, truer words were never spoken. We made it our business this last couple weeks and into next week to be about the word of the Lord from the prophet Micah. Okay. Uh, chapter 6 and verse 8, we did it last week. We're going to be looking at it just for a little bit this morning. And, uh, and here's the context of this verse. Micah was a prophet from the 8th century before Jesus. He's from Morasoth, which is about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. He prophesied, as I said, during the 8th century, and his contemporaries, we don't kind of get this. I mean, God was like, you know, kind of like lambasting Israel and Judah with the word of the Lord prophetically. His contemporaries were Hosea and Isaiah. The theme that he was writing with was to God's people to warn them that judgment is in the coming. And he offered forgiveness for all those who would repent But the theme throughout Micah is judgment, forgiveness, judgment, forgiveness. Forgiveness does a lot for those who repent. So what Micah makes clear is that this, that God hates injustice. Well, we know that. That God hates unkindness or mercilessness. Well, we know that. But God especially hates human arrogance. Now, there are these movements abroad that are addressing rightfully so injustice, Uh, addressing uh, mercilessness and unkindness and all those kinds of things in the nation today. But boy, human arrogance has become a value. Are you there? It's a political value. It's It's a value on the media. Human arrogance is something God hates. God hated it then and he hates it now. And it's almost institutionalized. So I want to read this verse, and then we kind of want to unpack it a little bit. I'm beginning in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. God says through Micah, He has told you, O man or woman, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Or what is the will of God for every one of us? It's interesting. As a pastor, one of the more common questions that I end up, you know, with in the counseling sessions or or in, in addressing people, even over a, a cup of coffee, is somebody saying, well, I, I want to know what the will of God is for my life. Well, I realize some of, the will, some of the will of God is a directional thing, careers, those kinds of things. But in essence, Mike is saying, if you distill it all down, this is the will of God for you, to do justice, to love kindness. And the word for kindness here is a very special word. We're going to unpack it in a second and then to walk humbly with your God. Last week, we spoke about doing justice. This week, I want to focus on loving kindness. 
not just being kind, but loving kindness and the peculiar kind of kindness that's reflected in what's being said here. The love of kindness can kind of seem like an awfully shallow commandment. I mean, who, who wouldn't love somebody being kind to them, right? Or who wouldn't love somebody being kind to others? We're not just talking about being nice here, okay? We're talking about something else. In fact, it's much deeper than that. The word kindness here is translated in other places in the Old Testament as mercy, as compassion, as loving kindness, especially you see it all over the King, King James edition, or covenant love. It's the particular kind of love and kindness that comes from covenanting with God and receiving the love of God, which we kind of don't deserve in the first place. So you can see it carries this great breadth of meaning, that word. And the word in Hebrew is one of the most important words in the Old Testament. Probably the second most important word other than Yahweh, which is, of course, the name of God. And the word in Hebrew is chesed. And the reason you're standing 18 feet away from me is when I say chesed, <laughs> you don't get some of the chesed. It's one of those words where you can say and clear your throat at the same time, all right? But it's an important word. And last week when we read this verse, we translated that word mercy. So I was curious, you know, as, as I didn't know what the word was, and I was just going to run with uh, the, the, the text this morning, which is Micah chapter 6, verse 8 and following. And Gina Young sent me a prophecy. And in the prophecy, I think she meant the prophecy to be for the church, but I received it for myself. You've had that happen, right? And like it impacted me. And one of the things she said is you need to sleep with the word, you need to, to live with the word, but this is what she said, and make sure that you translate it. Uh, you know, Gina doesn't say stuff like that, you know. And, uh, and so I thought, I better translate this verse. And I was thinking that the word for mercy here was haran, that's another word. But when I looked at it, it was chesed. And it has everything to do with covenant. And it has everything to do with the kindness and the lack of arrogance that God exhibits toward us and the requirement that we do that with our brothers and sisters, but especially for those who are out in the world. I appreciated Sandra's prophecy because, and I had similar prophecies from Sue Cox and from a couple of other people, Laura Mounts, and they all said, you know, you gotta focus on what God is doing and saying right now because the church is reaching a place where it can be a light in the world like never before. Now, the devil wants, wants us to believe that we've been immobilized. Are you there? The devil wants us to believe that we've been impeded in such a way that we can't be effective. But the truth is I'm seeing testimonies of a effectiveness and affection over and over again. One of the African-American uh, members of our congregation just last week walked up to a police officer and they were chatting about something, I don't know what it was, but he said to the police officer, he said, officer, I want you to know that your life matters to me. And the police officer welled up and said, I want you to know that your life matters to me as well. You know, that is a little inkling of the kind of grace that every one of us can move into if we will be sensitive to what God is saying to us over the course of our weeks. Are you there? You know, it's that kind of thing. So what is this word chesed? What, what is this? By the way, I entitled this message, he said chesed. How cool is that? You know? All right. So, so 
What does this word actually mean, and why is it so important to God's people? Why are, why are we instructed by God to ardent, ardently and passionately love this kind of kindness? What is this kind of kindness? And if, if we don't love this kind of kindness, oh my goodness, we'll be judged for it. So every Jew understood and still today understands that this kind of kindness can only be gotten as a result of the love of God toward us, right? So let me quickly explain what this love looks like and how it works. In order to exhibit kindness toward others, well, I, I first have to value who they are for the right reason. And another way to say uh, that kind of thing is that I, that I have to ascribe to them or, or credit to them this thing called dignity. In whatever manner I treat another person, I need to be involved with safeguarding their dignity as a human being, as a person created in the image of God. So I have this, this uh, handy dandy definition here. Dignity is the worth of another human being in the eyes of God. And you could say to me, well, you mean no matter who I'm dealing with, I need to assure them like this amount of dignity? And my answer biblically, biblically is yeah. Yep. In James 3, 10 to 11, he clearly tells us that the basis of human dignity is not how worthy we are. It's not how good we are. It's not how clever we are. The basis of human dignity is that all of us and all of the people out there were created in the image of God. That was the way he did it. So recognizing and responding to that truth is chesed. And this can be complicated. Whenever I talk about authority, I always get the Hitler question. What about Hitler? Would you obey him? You know, that's not the issue. The issue is even monsters were created in the image of God. Are you there? That doesn't mean you submit to their monsterism or, or all of that. But there is a certain thing that the church, the covenanted people with God, have to be able to imbibe in order to be effective and affectionate in a lost world. So, well then why sometimes is chesed translated mercy? Well, the scripture says that our ability to be merciful toward others comes from this steadfast love, this covenant love, this chesed. So Psalm 51, for example, makes this clear. David's praying a prayer of repentance. He just, with Bathsheba, he, he committed a, just about every sin that you can commit all in one fell swoop, right? And, and he's repenting and he says, have mercy on me, O God. The word's chasan. Uh, have mercy on me, O God. And then he says this, according to your chesed, according to the way you covenant with your people who you created in your image. Have mercy on me, according to your abundant mercy. See, each of us as God's people have received mercy. Would you agree with that? Huh? I mean, each of us who've come to Christ have received mercy in so much as that all of the sin that we committed and that we moved in was addressed upon Christ on the cross, yeah, yeah. You know, he took our punishment, he took what we deserved, and God himself, God himself did it for the sake of the mercy that he would see in us, yeah? That he would be able to give to us. So each of us as God's people have received mercy that judgment for our sin that we deserved because it was taken on by Jesus, the crucifixion. So what this means is 
that the kindness that we're commanded to show others, that hesed, okay, is an extension of the Father's steadfast love and mercy toward us. So here's a definition. This is an important one. This kind of kindness is this. Kindness is to act and, wow, watch this, act and speak in such a way that the dignity of another is assured while the same mercy that I receive is extended to them. Huh? That means when, even when we're in incredibly complicated situations. Think of John the Baptist before Herod. Think of Paul and jo- I mean Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. Think of Jesus before Pilate. There's always this consciousness on the part of God's people that the individuals with whom they're dealing are nevertheless created in the image of God and their dignity is at least safeguarded. Are you there? This, this is impossible stuff. Jesus was a master at assuring that the dignity of those with whom he interacted was, was ensured. Even when he challenged or chided his disciples, he did it in a way that never berated them as people in the image of God. And when Jesus does become angry toward others, such as with the Sadducees and with the Pharisees and the money changers, it's because they are robbing others of the dignity that they deserve. And so the whole demeanor of the Pharisees was religious pride, human arrogance that signaled to, to everybody else that they were just a spiritual cut above everybody else because they were Pharisees. Are you there? It's called a religious spirit. Uh, The Sadducees conducted themselves in such a way that they were intellectually a cut above everybody else. That That was their deal. It was unkind. It was arrogant. And we are now living in a culture where arrogance, human arrogance is enshrined. And it's a value. It's a value in the media. It's a value politically across the nation. It's a value out there. And if the church can't seem to be able to conduct itself with one another and with the world in such a way that it berates that that terrible value that God hates, then the church is no longer the subculture that we're required to be right now, which is a culture of love. All right. I love the way Jesus treated the Samaritan woman. In John 6, when he he says, you know, he, he walks up to her and says, woman, get me a drink. Now, an adage, or I should say a saying that existed in Israel at that time was this. Not not just a man speaking to a woman, but any man speaking even to another Samaritan man. This was the adage or the the saying, that it's better to, to, to walk around wearing menstrual, dirty menstrual clothing than, than to talk to a Samaritan. The Samaritan was the S word and the equivalent of the N-word in, in the first century. It was something, when Jesus walks up to her, he breaks every convention. He addresses her in such a way that she could serve him and refresh him. And she's startled. She says, Jews don't do this. Men don't do this. And he says, woman, would you just get me a drink of water? And as a consequence of that kindness, huh, the whole village is saved or comes to redemption. Wow. Have you ever noticed how positive the, the, the press is for the Roman and temple police in the New Testament? 
Centurions get tremendous press. Are you there? They were essentially the police force in Israel. They were the Roman, almost like Gestapo. And yet you've got Cornelius, you've got the centurion who recognizes Jesus as the son of God at the crucifixion. You've got the centurion with the sixth servant. Jesus, I haven't seen greater faith in Israel than this. In this character, are you there? You've got the temple guards coming to, uh, to John the Baptist in the wilderness saying, what must we do? These, it's really interesting. It's such a, a topsy-turvy world, this kind of new covenant, this kind of uh, uh, new covenant in the New Testament. Now, watch this one. This is, this is cool. As a charismatic church, a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit and the importance of their practice, that's us, yeah? Huh? Watch this statement. I believe that kindness is the place where the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit most perfectly intersect. Huh? Uh, in Acts 4, there's this, like this fascinating comment from Peter as he and John are dragged before the Sanhedrin, right? They've just uh, seen the individual who was, who was the cripple at the temple healed. He said, silver and gold have I none. What I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk, and he does. And so that, that stirs up all of Jerusalem. They drag Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. And this is what Peter says to the Sanhedrin. It says in verse 8, Acts 4, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter says to the Sanhedrin, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called into judgment or into account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you are all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In other words, this one of the more powerful miracles outside of the ministry of Jesus that had just been performed, Peter says, all it was was an act of kindness. It was chesed. Are you there? Chesed, he said. Huh? And they would have gotten that. They would have understood that what Peter was saying was, the covenant love and the mercy that God extended toward John and I, we just extended it toward the cripple. And when that happens, power comes into the equation. We say, well, aren't there are many miracles. Why, why don't we see the same miracles today that we saw then or you hear about in wherever, Peru or whatever it might be, uh, India, you know. And I, I believe that part of the reason is the church is arrogant. Huh? that we're taking our cues from the world around us. I believe there's a, an arrogance in the church that we excuse ourselves with, right? Peter says this, and I, this is my point, all of the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be essentially acts of kindness. Huh? We treat the fruit of kindness as, as if it were like, it's an option, an option that depends upon my frame of mind, okay? like. Like, I'm mostly a good person. I rarely go after other people. I'm good-natured, but if I'm frustrated or angry or in a bad temper or in a disagreeable place, if I'm succumbing to politics or COVID-19, there's this intrinsic permission in our culture to demean someone else, to belittle them, to diminish them with sarcasm and with nastiness sometimes with gossip, sometimes with envy. We, we, we give ourselves that permission. God says, listen, 
you're going to get judged for that. And I don't think the church believes it. And of course, the, the, the world is oblivious to it. Huh? Like I don't do social media just simply because I find it a distraction from what God's doing. I mean, and I know, look, my wife does it and, and lots of other people do it. I'm not demeaning you for doing social media. It's just my own personal preference. But I just get these reports of how people treat one another. And I think, man, I feel so bad about that because it's like, it's like given the abstraction of this electronic device where I don't have to face the person that I'm talking to, yeah? Like, I can, I can tear them apart, huh? I cannot love them, and it's okay. It's not okay. And judgment is the consequence of it. Jesus said, we will answer for every corrupt communication that proceeds from our mouths. And, you know, we write that off to judgment, but I believe a lot of that stuff happens consequent to what we're doing in the church and the ineffectiveness in the church in the area of the miraculous. Are you there? Yeah? It's that kind of thing. The New Testament says that we will, as I said, be judged for the lack of chesed, steadfast love, and that we'll answer for every arrogant and unkind word. This is why I don't know how you could, how to get into politics and be a Christian, except not to say anything at all. It's like crazy. So where all of this unkindness comes home to roost is in how, watch this, we treat those that we're closest to. Huh? Chesed kindness is a key component of Christian love. Kindness is a twin, twin fruit with long-suffering. Along with long-suffering, it has everything to do with how we conduct our closest relationships. 1 Corinthians 3, I'm sorry, 13 says, love suffers long, suffers long and is kind. And so if we follow Paul here in Corinthians 13, the measure of our kindness isn't whether we sell all that we have and give it to the poor, right? Although that's a good thing. It's how kind are we? Huh? This past Friday, Trish and I celebrated 49 years of wedded bliss. Uh, 49 years of marriage. Uh, 40, thank you. So, <laughs> 49 years with no fights, no, no. 49 years of no unkind words toward one another. 49 years of just absolute, unmitigated bliss. <laughs> yeah, I know, my nose is going like, like that, you know. Our marriages, the way we raise our children, the way we treat our parents, the way we honor one another in church, the affection that we have toward one another. It's so good to see you guys here. You know, even though, you know, you have these things on your face, it's just good. There's a goodness about being with you. It's there. The measure of our chesed very often is in the closest relationships that we have, yeah? It, it tells us a lot about how we love. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of the people who struggle the most deeply on social media or whatever they're on and exhibiting anger and arrogance and blah, 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 blah. It wouldn't surprise me that the judgment that comes from that come, comes, it becomes an, an ineffective prayer life. The gifts of the Spirit get, get muted, right? The fruit of the Spirit is erased. It's that kind of thing. 
So, the way that we love our spouses, the way that we love our parents, the way that we love our children says an awful lot to the world out there, right? To the world out there about what chesed is and about what love is and the love with which Jesus came to love us. So this reflective message for us as a church this morning is basically this, church, never allow your chesed to be dead. huh? huh? Ardently love kindness toward others. In other words, it's not just enough to be kind when we understand that kindness is being exhibited, whether it's the kindness of God toward us or people exhibiting kindness toward others, love it. Ardently love it. Take it on board. Uh, make it a part of who we are, how we communicate, and watch what happens. Now see, watch what happens in terms of the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. Watch them begin to move into place. Watch them begin to take, take on the power that they were specifically given to us for, which is to perform the miraculous as an act of kindness to a world that desperately needs it right now. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, uh, what a time to live in. I really believe, Lord, that um, as your word says, that your word tested Joseph until the time of the testing would be fulfilled. I believe, Lord, right now we're in a time of testing. Lord, would you protect and anoint your church? It, Lord, as you protected your church from a physical virus, would you protect your church from a virus that eats away at community and unity and love would you protect your church, God, uh, from uh, the onslaught, the permeation of the enemy into daily events? Lord, as we battle as a church with this principality called COVID and everything associated with it, Lord, would you protect your church and make your church a city on a hill for others to see and others to emulate? because it shows the world who Jesus is. And we ask that together, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.